This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair uses a molecule called hypochlorous acid, which mimics our natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. We've been loving Active Skin Repair for all the cuts and scrapes that show up in the active toddler life. Sage loves that there's both the spray version, but also a cream version. He likes to get to choose which one he's going to do. He calls it the magic cream. And it's been so great for taking care of Mila's neck rash now that she's full on teething. Can we get a minute for a teething three and a half month old? What in the world? Active Skin Repair has thousands of five-star reviews and the ingredients so safe and clean, they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest. Keeping it simple with one soothing solution for all your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order, use code VILLAGE. That's www.activeskinrepair.com, code VILLAGE, for 20% off your order. You're listening to Voices of Your Village. This is episode 178. This is a rebroadcast of episode 113. If this past year or 15 months has taught us anything, it's how little we are actually in control. Yet we often are trying to assert control, to feel safe. When we feel out of control, we feel unsafe. And most of us live with this illusion that we can control all the things. When I originally recorded this episode, it was pre-COVID. And I think it's more important now than ever, as we've all had a light shine on how little we do control and what we can and cannot control and what it means to relinquish that desire for control and allow for the unknown and get comfortable not knowing what the answer might be. That fear is so real, and we're going to talk in this episode about what to do with it. All right, folks, let's dive in. Welcome to Voices of Your Village, a place where parents, caregivers, teachers, and experts come to support one another on this wild ride of raising tiny humans. We combine decades of experience with the latest research to create the modern parenting village. Let's dive into honest conversation about real parenting challenges so it doesn't have to be this hard. I'm your host, Alyssa Blast Campbell. I have been sharing on social media about my journey in learning to let go of control, and I've been getting so many questions. So here we are. Now we get to hang out, and I put a call out for your questions specifically on this and got a bunch of responses from you. So I'm jazzed to get to dive in. The thing with control is that it can come up in a bunch of different ways, but it gives us this false sense of security. When we think that we have control, it can make us feel safe. And for me, 
a lot of control work was similar to anxiety work because the sense of feeling like I'm in control could help me feel less afraid. And we know that anxiety is when you're stuck in fear. So a lot of this work overlaps and we have a full episode on anxiety coming out in about a month. So we're going to go deeper into anxiety, but you might hear a little bit of overlap there. The thing about control is that what we're trying to do is have concrete information. Trusting the unknown and acknowledging the uncertainty is one of the keys to emotional freedom, and it's really stinking hard. (laughs) I, for me... I've had a lot of opportunity to practice this in the last couple of years. I think especially as we navigated pregnancy and miscarriage, it has been a constant practice in letting go of this idea of control that you can control when you get pregnant, right? I thought for so many years I was preventing it with birth control and then went off with birth control and was like, wait, no, now it's supposed to happen. And then with miscarriage, right? This idea that like there's something I could do to help my body stay pregnant and that feeling of responsibility, which also though was like comforting of like, oh, if there's something I can do, then I can make this happen. And then accepting that uncertainty is so hard to say like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know when we'll get pregnant. I don't know how we will become parents. I don't know when. So often we want these concrete things. We want things to be on a certain timeline. We want to know the when, the how. We want it to be black and white of a yes or a no. And accepting the space of I don't know is really hard and makes a lot of people feel really uncomfortable and can spike fear. We know what we can do or what we are capable of, right? So one of the questions that we got was like, oh, I just feel like things will crumble if I'm not in control, but I also hate feeling responsible for all the things. And this totally resonates with me. I'm really good at being in control of all the things is a story I used to tell myself. Like everything down to like what type of milk we're buying. Nope, not just the type. Oh, the brand as well, (laughs) right? Like I don't just want oat milk. I want oat milk with this brand and I want this type within that brand. Like goodness gracious, Alyssa. Or asking, trying to like hand stuff off to Zach, but then when it doesn't happen the way that you... Actually, just this morning, I pulled out smoothie stuff and I had to rewash the container because it hadn't been washed enough or correctly. And I found myself like angrily washing it because I'm like, ugh, like if I just... Maybe I'm just going to have to wash this myself every time I want it done right. And then I'd be like, well... (laughs) maybe there's another way to communicate about this. <laughs> but like that, it, I understand that pattern, this idea that if you just do it yourself, it'll be done right. And we also have an episode on the mother mental load that there's research about how much society places on moms and then how moms, especially in a hetero relationship, will take on the mental load of the family, the like scheduling, when's the next pediatric appointment, 
what childcare are they going to? How are they going to get to and from? What are we doing for after-school care? What lunchbox do they have? Do they have all their diapers stocked at school? What diapers are they wearing? <laughs> all the things, right? All these things that we end up deciding. And it can feel like you're just in control of all of it. And then you are the designator who hands things off. Part of this we're doing to ourselves because we're afraid that if we don't do it, it won't get done. I have some questions that I ask myself when I feel like I'm stuck in the space of control or the fear of letting go of it, that fear of the unknown or the uncertainty, getting to a place where I could say, yeah, I don't know how we will become parents or when, and truly feeling comfortable with that and not feeling scared or panicky about it of like, okay, but like getting older, what's happening to my eggs and all these, like, that's where I used to go. And I've just realized, man, you can plan all day and things are going to unfold in ways that I don't have control over. And learning to accept that radically changed how I lived my life. And now I get to recognize it in other areas and continue to do this work. Here are some of the questions that I like to ask myself when I feel like I'm holding on to control. What am I afraid is going to happen? So I had a mom reach out and she was talking about how her kid really needs sensory input, needs to like be going upside down and needs a place where she can really move her body in a way that feels good for her body. And mom was like, but I'm so afraid she's going to get hurt. Like, How does she learn how to flip upside down and not break her neck? Like letting her climb up and knowing there's just a gymnastics mat beneath her, it scares the crap out of me. She's like, how how does she know when it's too high or when she isn't safe or whatever? So first and foremost is what are you afraid is going to happen? And then what's the likelihood? I asked her, what are the odds that she is going to fall and break her neck? And she was like, well, I don't know, but like it could happen. I was like, sure, of course it could. What could we do instead of saying you can't climb here or that's too high when her body's really looking for it? How could we support her in risk management and us letting go of managing her risk here and teaching her how to manage it? Because there's always something that's happening When we are unable to be flexible, when we can't let go of control, there is another thing that's happening. Sometimes it's that we are then stressed. So then there's cortisol mirroring between us and whoever we're interacting with. Sometimes for me, it could be resentment that I am taking on all these things and Zach isn't, even though I haven't communicated about them or feel like I can't hand them off because he wouldn't do them my way. It sounds so absurd when I say it out loud, but it's true. Like, and then I would get annoyed with him and that's on me, right? So there are outcomes. So the other thing here with this little girl, if she wants to climb and mom is saying that's too high and not letting her go upside down and get the input that her body needs, some other things that might be happening, this little girl's not getting the input she needs from a sensory perspective, then it's going to be really hard for her to regulate emotionally. So you might be seeing more tantrums or emotional expressions. You may then be having a really hard time in relationship with each other because the days might feel really hard 
if she isn't regulated. And I wonder what being able to go upside down and take those risks would do for her regulation and for your relationship, for you saying, like, I trust you to take this risk and I'll teach you how to do it. Like, oh, wow, yeah, you are up there really high. You're so strong. You climbed all the way up there. I've never seen you do that before. I've never seen you up that high. And I wonder if you went upside down right there, what could happen? What do you think it could happen? Asking her, bringing it back onto the tiny human and helping them learn to look around to say like, oh yeah, if I fell from here, what might happen? Or if I went upside down here, what might happen? Versus, hmm, if I want to go upside down, where could I do that in a way that I feel comfortable, that my body knows how to do? It takes some regulation for us to not just jump in and control the situation and instead to place trust and respect and responsibility into the hands of these tiny humans so that they can learn how to manage their own risk. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Being back to work after maternity leave has been so good and frankly, so hard. I love what I do and I missed collaborating with my team while I was out and it's been a tough transition. The combination of a packed schedule and still being the milk machine for Mila Bean, it's hard to juggle everything. I feel so grateful for my weekly therapy hour. Sometimes I'm just holding so much and I need a safe space to let it out and get it off my chest. I've noticed that when I don't release it, it comes out anyway, but usually in ways that aren't aligned with how I wanna show up in the world. BetterHelp is such a convenient, flexible option for parents who just can't take the travel time to get to an in-person therapy visit. It's entirely online. You can show up in your jammies, always a win in my book, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you're on your way to feeling heard. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash voices today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash voices. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Ko, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. I was getting so many questions from y'all on how to do this, how to put it into practice. What are the steps that you follow in emotion coaching a kid for emotion processing? So I created a totally free for you guide on how to emotion coach these tiny humans. It also has a bunch of visuals in there that can be helpful for you, like the difference between a coping mechanism and a coping strategy, helpful visuals that a lot of you 
have said like, oh, you made this as an Instagram post and I wish I could hang it in my house. So we threw it in there for you if you are one of those humans who wants to print that off and use it as a reminder for yourself. But head on over to seedandsow.org slash emotions to snag the free emotion coaching guide if you want some more support on this journey. This trust and respect and responsibility, it goes in so many different ways. Once Zach and I had plans, and it was a Saturday, and we had evening plans and daytime plans, and the daytime plans got canceled. The people we were meeting up with couldn't join anymore. So all of a sudden, we have this free Saturday. And I'm like, jazz, and I'm in my head, and I'm like, great, we can get the laundry done, we can get the dishes done. Like I'm planning all the things that can be knocked off our to-do list. I'm controlling now what our midday is going to look like in my head. Zach's not a part of this conversation. It's all happening in my head. And he's sitting there scrolling on his phone. And then I, as it continues, and I realize he's still sitting there. He's still sitting there. I was like, hey, babe, like, what do you want to do today then? And he was like, oh, I don't know. And had, like, just just chilling. He was just chilling. And I got so angry with him. <laughs> and I was like, oh, he's just assuming that I'm going to do all these things. And he isn't even thinking of the laundry, the dishes or whatever. And I then recognized, he asked me a question. And I like snapped back at him and I was like, oh, yikes. I've been having a whole conversation in my head that he doesn't know about. And so I was like, all right, I had to work to regulate. And then I told him, hey, bud, I feel like today's a good opportunity now that we're free to knock off dishes and laundry, etc., which of those would you like to do? He chose dishes. And I was like, cool, cool. So I went and threw in laundry and I'm like moving and grooving and he's still sitting there on his phone. And I'm like, oh my gosh, is he really not even going to do the dishes? Like I am fuming inside of me and had to recognize, oh no, My instinct is to do it right away, check it off the to-do list, and then hang out. He's going about this a different way. He's still planning to do the dishes, but it's not going to be done on my timeline. And I had to trust that he would get them done before we left the house. And sure enough, dishes were done before we left the house. They were just done a little later than I would have done them. I get to practice this all the time where I get to recognize like, ooh, I had a certain way I would do this. And if I choose to do all the things myself, I will be grumpy. I will be stretched too thin. I will be resentful. I am not a lovely person to be around When I'm stretched too thin and doing all the things myself because I want them done a certain way, man, is it worth it? Is it worth, does it really matter, Alyssa, at the end of the day, how the towels are folded? I've had so many people um, also in business who I'd be sitting around these tables, we're talking about business and all this jazz and they would say like, Alyssa, how are you doing all these things? I was teaching full time and starting seed and running a podcast and doing research and writing a book and consulting. And people were like, how are you doing all this? And I was like, oh, I'm not doing it by myself. Zach edits the podcast and someone on my team writes the blog post. And here are things that Erica helps with and Tara and Rachel and all these people that come in to like take things off my plate. And 
still to this day, all the time, when I'm around a table of women in business, they'll be like, oh, well, I, I couldn't hand that off. Like, I have to do that. No one else could interact with my client base or no one else could post on Instagram the way that I post or no one else could edit this picture the way that I do. And what I see is just like so much burnout among women in business. And then I was recently around this table and it was just me and dudes. And I got the same question, like, how are you doing all these things? And I started to share the systems that I have in place that help me operate and all the people that come in, all the village members behind the scenes here at Seed that help us run and grow so that I can show up and do things that I love, like hanging out in my DMs and chatting with you or creating Instagram content because I love it or creating online classes for you and tools and resources in this podcast, all these things that I love to do, I want to have the energy and the capacity to do. And so when I'm sharing the things that I don't love to do or that just take up so much of my time that somebody else could do, these dudes were just like taking notes and asking questions like, oh yeah, I could do that here. I could do that there. Not one dude around the table said, Oh, but like only I can do that part of this business. Every single one was like, oh yeah, cool. Like I could apply that here or there. And I started to realize it's coming back to this idea of control still. So I think I, you guys, this might trigger a feeling in you and I'm okay with that. But I think that this is also a gender issue. I think that as women, letting go of control is even harder I think it goes hand in hand with that mental mother load, which we have a podcast on, of like, I need to do all the things. Here's the thing. (laughs) You can't. And a huge part of this is communication. So I had like a come to Jesus chat with Zach just a couple years into our relationship when I realized like, oh, he's never once cleaned the bathtub or I was the one who drove the car to work. And so I was doing all the things like if there was an oil change, if we ever needed work on the car, grabbing groceries, planning dinner, making dinner, he was working full time and in school full time, but I was working full time and have always, (laughs) always, always, always had a second or third job literally since I was 14 or actually probably 12, I've had multiple jobs so that I could afford to live. And yet I still was carrying all these things. And I remember being on vacation and he was in his master's full time and he was working full time. And I just felt like, ooh, but while we're on vacation is like a time where we can find a spot where we're both calm and I can have this conversation. These conversations are never fun. They're always uncomfortable. And I will often start them saying like, hey, I'm not looking forward to talking about this and I feel uncomfortable or nervous, but I think it's really important that we talk about it because I am like holding on to some feelings that I need to chat through. And I was just like, babe, I'm feeling like I'm doing most of the things to run the household. And I'm sure there's stuff that you're doing that I don't notice either. And so I just feel like we need to chat, like I need to break down what are the things that are necessary to run our household and have a conversation about them. Even if you're not in a season where you can take on more, I think I'd just like 
the acknowledgement too of like, oh, thanks so much for cleaning the tubs. I've never thought to do that. <laughs> yeah, I. It, so we had this chat, and what I realized in this was it, he said he was like, oh, I didn't realize like all he he truly didn't realize all the things that it took to run the household. I had just taken them on, and we start. This was again early on, but we started this conversation and. He was like, oh, yeah, I can take on this. I can take on that. And then came that practice of me first was letting go of control of like, oh, I don't have to do all this. So conversation number one. Then when he said, oh, I could take on X, Y, and Z, then it was me letting go of when or how it would happen. I might let him know like, okay, babe, like, thanks so much for doing the laundry. I need something that's in there by Thursday. Does it work for you to have it done by Thursday? or by Wednesday, or whatever. But like communicating what timeline I needed it to be on, truly needed, not wanted, but truly needed it to be on, and then trusting that he would meet that expectation. That's the part that for me is the hardest in the letting go of control. It's the trust. It's the trust that he's going to do it. And that, and knowing it's not going to be perfect, right? There are times he won't do it. There are times that I'm not perfect. And when we aren't perfect, when we don't meet those needs, when I have asked him to do something and he forgot about it, then me saying like, hey, babe, have you been able to get that letter in the mail? And he's like, oh, shoot, I totally forgot. That's okay. Like, is there something that I can do to be helpful at this point? Or can you get it in the mail today? And typically at that point, he's like, I can get it in the mail today. And In that moment, I'm not usually calm enough to talk about like, what could we do differently next time? But then later we'll come back together and I'll just be like, hey, is there a system that we could put into place like reminders on our phones or is there something like shared Google Calendar thing? What would be helpful for us moving forward so that we just don't have the same mistakes over and over? And sometimes this is me. Sometimes it's him asking me these questions or me coming to him and saying like, man, I'm really sorry I dropped the ball on that earlier. I am trying to figure out how I could have a system that runs more smoothly so that I'm not trying to keep track of it all in my head. Do you have any thoughts like what's helpful for you? And we'll just have these conversations like once we're calm and it's later. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky 
wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it. I think a huge part of this when you're letting go of control and you're handing it off to a partner is that compassion piece of it does not have to be perfect. I won't be perfect either. And I trust that your intentions are good. Like, I don't think he was like, oh, I'm just going to not mail that letter. (laughs) Right? Like, he wasn't coming from a place of trying to, like, sabotage my thing. He just forgot. And so I'm more interested in, and we do this on our team for Seed all the time, all the time. As we've grown, I mean, we get so many emails every day. We get so many messages. There's so much content that we're working on creating and putting out and whatever. So a lot of moving parts, a lot of people. We don't have a home office. Everybody works remotely. And so it's a lot of communication about systems. Like, okay, if it, what could we create that would be helpful so that you don't have to keep track of all this information in your head so that there's a spreadsheet for it or there's a reminder system or what could we create? so that we can let go of that control of keeping track of it all in your head from an information standpoint. And accepting there will be unknowns. Always, 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 always there will be unknowns. It was so interesting when I had gotten pregnant, I went from the unknown of when will we get pregnant? How is this going to happen? Will we have to go through fertility treatments? Like we've done so many things, acupuncture and all this. The unknowns of like, when will this happen? How will it happen? Two, peed on a stick. Now I have a known, but then went through the unknowns of when will morning sickness start? And then when will morning sickness stop? Will I be able to stand up today without throwing up? Wonder what I'll be able to eat today. Who's this kid going to be? What's our child care going to look like? I wonder how the birth is going to go. Like the unknowns didn't stop. They just changed. There will always be unknowns. And this idea that you can control yourself, control the situation Enough that there won't be unknowns is not true. They just change. Okay, now let's talk about unknowns in kids because this was another thing that we got a lot of questions about. Like, how do we let kids have options and choice while we're still in control of their safety, holding boundaries, etc.? So I like to operate under choice theory. Under choice theory, we're going to give kids two choices. I think it's really important for kids to have choices, but I think we often give them too many choices or we offer up the two choices and then we don't stick to that. So for instance, you can turn off the TV or I will turn it off when I reach five. When I say five, I'm going to turn it off. Even if they say they want to do it themselves, Because I've given them the choice of you turn it off, or when I say five, I'll turn it off. And now if they say, no, I'm going to do it myself, and I let them, and I say, okay, go ahead. And then what if they don't do it? Now they're sitting just like looking at me. And then I end up in this battle of like, okay, then I'm going to go do it. And then they start screaming. And we end up going back and forth. Instead, I just want to let them know very clearly and concretely, 
Here are the two choices. You can climb into your car seat or I can pick you up and put you in your car seat. Then I need to pick them up and put them in their car seat whenever the time limit is up, right? Like I was saying, part of the expectation, part of the letting go for adults is knowing like what the timeline is going to be. So like if I said, if Zach said he's going to do the dishes and my expectation is that he does them before we leave for our evening activity, but he doesn't know that, then we could leave and I would be annoyed and upset and I come home and there's still dishes in the sink. And then he does them the next day. And in his mind, like, yeah, I did the dishes and then, and I was annoyed, right? So a huge part of this is making sure that kids have the time frame. I love visual timers here because they, if they can tell time on a clock, great. If not, like giving them some sort of visual. So a clock could be the visual or it could be a sand timer. It could be a timer on your phone. It could be setting the microwave timer. It could be counting, but letting them know by when, right? If I say you can climb into your car seat or I can pick you up and put you in your car seat, their timeline for climbing into their car seat could be different than the timeline for me picking them up and putting them in. I don't think it's fair or respectful to not use visual aids and timers. In the same way that I don't think it's fair for me to be annoyed with Zach about not doing the dishes on my timeline if I didn't communicate the timeline. If I need the laundry done by Thursday, but I didn't tell him like, oh, I need a shirt that's in that laundry by Thursday. And so he doesn't have the laundry ready. And now I'm annoyed that he didn't do what he said he would do by my timeline that I didn't communicate. That's not fair. It's not kind and respectful communication. And so for kids, I think one of the huge things for the like letting go of control and giving them control is giving them control with concrete boundaries. You can turn off that TV or I will turn it off when I reach five, lets them know, okay, if I really want to turn it off, I can do it. Or when they say five, they're going to turn it off. And then you have to follow through with that. When, when they are now saying that they want to do it themselves, I'm going, to let, I'm going to turn it off and let them know, oh, you really want to do it yourself. How can I help you feel calm so we can talk about this? I'm not right now going into like, well, you should have turned it off then before I said five. Like, no, that's not helpful or kind. I'm going to offer to help them feel calm and let them know that when they're calm, we can talk about it. And then once they're calm, then I'll say, yeah, man, you really want to turn it off. When I say five, I'm going to turn it off. And so next time, if you want to do it by yourself, you can turn it off before I say five. We can have that conversation once they're calm. Would you rather put your Lego castle on the table for tomorrow or put the Legos back in the bin? It's also okay for them to express frustration or disappointment for the choices that you offered. They're allowed to feel hard things. It doesn't have to be a choice that they want. Like maybe the choice they want is, no, I don't want to go to bed. I want to stay up and keep building my Lego castle. And that's not a choice. The choices are, would you rather put your Lego castle on the table for tomorrow or put the Legos back in the bin? And again, I would then give them a timeline. I'm going to set the timer on the microwave. When it goes off, I'm going to put your Lego castle up on the table for tomorrow unless you decide you want to put them in the bin. And then we're going to go upstairs or whatever for bedtime, whatever's happening next. 
but I want to give them two choices. I think it's helpful for kids when we identify when they're looking for control and let them know that. Oh, it feels like you really want to control how we're going to do this. You want to control who's going to sit next to you at the table. I wonder if you were trying to connect to that person. I wonder if sitting next to them makes you feel safe. Helping kids build awareness for this stuff that, man, so many of us are trying to build now as adults, I think can be so, so, so helpful. You can find where your limits are and set them. So often we'll see kiddos pushing and pushing and pushing a boundary, and we might it might seem like they're looking for control, but really what they're looking for is where and when are you going to hold the boundary. So be prepared for that as well. And then make sure you are mindful of when you are projecting your fears onto them. It is wild how many times I get DMs of like, oh, I just understand where my daughter's coming from because she is me. Like, I just get it. And I'm like, okay, yeah, she might have a lot of the same patterns that you have, or you might have the same temperament. But maybe the traits that you're seeing or the fears that you're seeing, she's learning from you, right? So being able to take a step back and identify like, ooh, I'm projecting this fear onto her. I'm going to regulate so that then I can show up for her in a different way. We had someone ask about controlling, like trusting childcare and other providers, like controlling how they interact with your kiddo. I think this is huge. It's so crucial because if you don't trust the people you're leaving your kid with, your kid won't feel safe there. They won't. They'll know that you don't trust this person and they won't feel safe in that environment. And so a huge part of them feeling safe and comfortable and able to explore and grow and develop in that space is your comfort with them being there. Other care providers do not have to respond the same way that you do. Every human needs one person they can turn to whose feelings they don't feel responsible for. You can be that person and other people don't have to. If you know that your child is safe, if you feel like, all right, yeah, they're safe here and they just might not be responded to in the exact way I would want all the time, it's okay. It's okay if other caregivers aren't that human for your child. It's really powerful for you to be that person. It's okay if your partner or your in-laws or the childcare providers aren't filling that space. It's okay if your tiny human doesn't have a relationship of vulnerability with them as long as they have one person, just one, babe. That's, there's research to support this. They need one human who they feel safe and comfortable with, whose feelings they don't feel responsible for. And that can be you. So as long as you know your kiddo's safe in that other environment, then it's letting go of the fact that sometimes they're going to be responded to differently. And that's okay. It's an opportunity for conversation a lot. When they're sharing stories with you and you can ask them like, oh, how did it feel when she said that? Hmm, I wonder what you could say next time. How could you advocate for yourself? It's a fun word to teach young kiddos how to advocate for themselves. If you are leaving this and you're ready to start doing this work of letting go of control, first, it's awareness. It's recognizing where you are asserting control or where you're feeling like you cannot let go of control. 
Once you build that awareness and you recognize it, then it's pausing to breathe, to regulate before you then ask yourself those questions. What am I afraid will happen? What's the likelihood? What is happening right now when I'm asserting control that is an unintended consequence because I'm not able to be flexible? And then I would build in some mantras for grounding yourself. Some mantras that help you feel calm, that remind you in the moment of the source here. This could be, it doesn't all need to be done my way. Or if I try to do it all, I won't show up as the person I want to be. It's okay for there to be unknowns. There will always be unknowns. That's my go-to. Because I had convinced myself that if I controlled it, then I would. there would be knowns. I would know that I could take care of it. And it's not true. There were always other unknowns. That was the anxiety talking. Practice noticing before you try to change. Thanks for tuning in to Voices of Your Village. Check out the transcript at voicesofyourvillage.com. Did you know that we have a special community over on Instagram hanging out every day with more free content? Come join us at seed.and.so, S-E-W. Take a screenshot of you tuning in, share it on the gram, and tag seed.and.so to let me know your key takeaway. If you're digging this podcast, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We love collaborating with you to raise emotionally intelligent humans. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us.